Welcome to the Poker Raceway Podcast, special edition this year, of course, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary, but before we get back into the 50th, I am here with Kevin and JJ. Uh, gentlemen, race weekend, let's talk about it. I think it was amazing. What do y'all think? It was I think his- I haven't caught up on sleep yet. That was a wild weekend. It, <laughs> it, was, it was historic in itself. What a way to celebrate, you know, 50 years of the Tricky Triangle by... Um, having an amazing race weekend with the fans back in the stands, five races, three days, and perfect weather. It was great. Sold out infield, sold out camping. It was, there were so many people here. Um, you know, it was great to see, and everyone was happy. I feel like everyone was just thrilled to be here. Um, any fan I interacted with was just so excited about all the events, like you were talking about, Kev, and and then all of a sudden, like the competition delivered in every single race, like every single race, we didn't know who was going to win until the, like the last five laps, which was. I can't remember two races here that were as exciting. Two races in one year that were as exciting as the cup races were this year. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the Xfinity race, the truck race and the ARCA race um, all had their moments for sure. Um, just an overall incredible weekend on and off track. So glad to have people back in the stands. Um, never been more excited to wait in lines or wait <laughs> in traffic or just kind of be swamped than I was this year after what 2020 was. I mean, campers started rolling up here, I think, at like 4 a.m. on Thursday um, just to get in. And I remember the calls on the radio as I kind of started pulling in and, and, and saw the traffic and we got camping in and we got, I think, I think something like 1500 people arrived between Thursday and Friday, which or 1500 campers, which was just insane. So kudos to the folks in the, the ticket office who handled that because that was insane to put that many campers in. Um, our operations team was out there painting lines. I feel like up until Thursday morning. Um, and it was just, it was just a team effort. And I, I've just, like I said, I'm still, I can't believe how, how much we packed into the weekend and pulled it off and have as much excitement now as we did a couple weeks ago. I mean, Kevin was just posting things on social media this week and people are still pumped about race weekend and we're three weeks since then. Deal on social, like what was, what was the sentiment on social from people? What were they saying? What are they still saying? What was their kind of their, what are the key moments from the fans? They were just happy to be back. I think we're all in the same boat there. Everybody's just happy to be back and see their friends. You know, we talk to campers and, and people that come up to the race every year. And this is like their tra- tra- tradition where, you know, they see these same people over and over again. And, and they were just happy to be back and, and have a good time and see some amazing racing. That was it, too. Um, speaking of amazing racing, um, today's we're, we're going back to the 50th. We're, we're still celebrating 50 years since. And we're going to continue doing it all year long. Yes, and, and the first race we held here was in 1971. It was run won by, by Mr. Penske and his IndyCar team. It was his first IndyCar win. There was something that was given to Mr. Penske, right, Teal, that I saw on social a couple weeks ago that was all memorabilia from our first race. Yeah, so our first race, uh, we actually celebrated the, anniver- the actual anniversary of 50 years of the Tricky Triangle, um, July 3rd, uh, the day before Independence Day, and, and uh, Penske as well, Team Penske, uh, celebrated along with us uh, with giving uh, Roger Penske some really cool mementos from back in that race. And it was really cool to see um, 
everything that 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 went along with that win and and what it uh, has become obviously for for team Penske and that organization since that that moment uh and that's what this celebration is all about too is is just those moments and we're going to get into more of those moments as we go on through the year just because our doubleheader weekend is over um doesn't mean that we can't keep celebrating 50 years of this place because there's a lot of stuff that went on i don't know if you guys have, have figured that out yet and those that have been listening to our podcast to date um there's a lot to cover still we, we've just barely scratched the surface and i think we bring our, our next guest that we're, we're bringing in this week is somebody who has had a massive amount of success here and i don't think a lot of people realize that from crew chief to owner to also back in the day competitor um you know this week we have ray everett ham on who is obviously a nascar hall of famer um, most recognizably for being Jeff Gordon's crew chief, um, but also owning Everham Motorsports. Um, he's got multiple wins here as, like I said, a, a crew chief with Jeff, um, a car owner um, on the Everham Motorsports side with Casey Kane and, and Bill Elliott winning here. He, he also grew up in the Northeast, so he heard about Pocono before he even got here. Um, at, as a young driver, he competed in – um, the modified races that we used to have on the front stretch that actually started before this anniversary and before the Turkey Triangle was ever built. But Ray was competing here in the 70s and 80s as a driver, you know, and it, it was crazy for him to kind of experience the Turkey Triangle for the first time. Um, he didn't get to experience the full Tricky Triangle until a couple of years ago. Uh, we get into that about what he did with one of his historic cars that he has in his repertoire because his garage, JJ, is just filled with cars that I feel like you would just drool over. Um, <laughs> and he gets into those details as we kind of roll through it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's hop right into it. Uh, here's our interview with uh, Ray Everham. Uh, Ray, thanks for making the time to do this. Um, obviously, you're a New Jersey native. You grew up around the Northeast racing scene. Do you remember what the first time was that you saw or heard of Pocono? And what was your initial reaction uh, to the place? Gosh, I remember all of the all of the stuff that was going on when it was being built. That would have been, gosh, in the late '60s, the early '70s. Because um, I worked for a man and friends with a man who was a big IndyCar fan, and he kept me up to speed, you know. And obviously, Chris Economaki and Speedport Speedsport News was right there in the middle of all of that stuff. So we were pretty excited that there was a, a racetrack being built. But I'm I'm guessing it was. Um, it was, I know that I was, I actually took a ride up there with some friends before the place was even done, which was amazing. And then uh, I remember the unfortunate stuff that happened around the very first race on the three quarter mile track. I remember I was very uh, up to speed on what was going on there. So, I mean, since they started building it, you know, as I said, uh, just being a huge race fan, I remember, you know, we drove it, we spent about two hours from the house drove just drove up there to take a look at it and with that you have such a diverse racing background really from spanning from the open wheel stuff to the modifieds to uh, obviously the nascar success that you had here um what kind of a benefit was it to the northeast to have a track and a facility like this whether it was the two and a half mile triangle or the three quarter mile um, oval that was here up through the mid-90s, what kind of a benefit was that to Northeast Racing? You know, 
again, it was the first super speedway, if you will, that we had. And when you look at where Pocono's at and the amount of race fans that are in the Northeast, that's big modified sprint car country. You know, they're right around there. I mean, you got the dirt modified, you got paved modified, you got sprint cars, you know, you go all the way up, you know, up and down the coast in the New England, big paved, you know, racing there. And so, you know, and then, you know, obviously, you know, the, the folks out of New York City only 80 miles or so away. So it was, I mean, to me, it was, it was really big. And I, I'll tell you that um, I went to a few of the Pocono 500s. But again, didn't get tickets for the first cup race, but we went up there, cut out of school or went out of school, you know, whatever the deal was, but drove up there to see practice. And I can remember uh, how excited I was because that's when they used to haul the cup cars in open trailers. They had a great big, like a giant box truck, and then they hauled the car behind them in an open trailer. And Richard Petty pulled in, and you could see that car on the back of that trailer, you know, like, from the grandstand, you like you knew what it was. So I remember how excited I was about that. So it was, it was really cool because that gave me the first opportunity that I ever have had to see the Indy cars up close, and then to see the the NASCAR uh, Cup cars up close. And as that progression, the progression of of race fan moving into your career, obviously you finally got to race. You know, at kind of what probably became one of your, you know home big super speedway tracks um and had a ton of success here so back in the 90s i mean you guys were the car to beat here with with jeff and um there was a long period that you guys continued to finish with ridiculous results that you had on track um what did you lean on early on in your career um that really helped you drive the hendrick motorsports train with their success here in the midnight mid to late 90s well uh yes there's so much there but you know I'm going to go all back. I actually raced I, I never got to race the super speedway, but okay. I raced on the three quarter mile track several times with the modified, you know, um, you know, the best race I ever had there, we blew up, but, uh, but it was, uh, that was an incredible event. Let me tell you over a hundred cars every time they had it, but, you know, going into, into the, the race there with the nineties, it, you know, it was always special to go there because at Pocono, you get to walk out to the racetrack through like a bunch of fans, fans on the, they sit, you know, there's some grandstands there for the fans and then all along pit road. So I got to see so many different, so many different people there walking out, you know, it was kind of like a homecoming for us. Uh, but I think, you know, wherever you go, if you've got a pretty good handle on the weather, that helps you a lot, you know, and, and I remember ha having a, a a good idea about what we were going to be facing with practice. And then, you know, Pocono 500 was a long, long race and a track that big doesn't act the same way because it's really never has the same amount of sun and clouds on it as or consistently as another track. So, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, I always had some, some desire to, to want to do really well there because of all my friends. And, and again, I, you know, you know, it sounds crazy, but, being able to understand the weather and the things up there helped me a little bit too. And now, now I'll go back because you talked about the modified racing that you did here. Um, so it's kind of go, we're going to, we're going to go back in time and then come really fast forward to time uh, to most, most recent stuff. Um, so talk about some of your modified races here and what that, you know, what that was like 
for the racing community to come up here and, and you said 100 cars. I mean, I know we put on some pretty big events back in the day. And then the second part of that is is getting to bring that ghost car up here and <laughs> trying to trying to run some laps during our IndyCar race weekend a few years back. Yeah, you know, the modified race was always a big race for us because that was a race of champions and anybody who was anybody in the modified and then a bunch of us who wanted to be somebody with modified showed up. So you got to race with people that you didn't normally race with, get to see modifieds from the south, from the north, you know, wherever. Um, and, and I said, I just, even though we were always quick there, I never had any luck, you know, and, and I, I had a tendency to drive over my head a little bit. So, you know, Jeff Gordon was still busting me about stuff like that. But uh, I think I wrecked twice there. Once, uh, you know, once wrecked qualifying and once wrecked during the race. And then the last time I was there, I was driving, um, I think I was driving George Ross's number 28, and we were really, really going good. You know, did really good in, in, in the heat race. You used to draw for heat, and you could, you could start 30th in your heat race. I mean, that was, and they'd be taking like five or six cars. So I know we came from the back, got up to the front. We lost a cylinder. They tried to repair the motor the best they could. But, man, I think, you know, we, we were going so good. We were really, really going good. And um, I think I got up to uh, sixth or seventh, and I thought we were going to have a really good day. And, and motor broke. But I think my best finish ever there was maybe a 15th, 16th, something like that. I think that was in George Ross's car too. But, you know, never had the luck there. But always loved that, uh, always loved that racetrack. And, and as I said, you know, there, if you wanted to see any kind of racing with modifieds at that time, that was a place to go see everybody. And then a couple of years later, you got to uh, take the modified out in the 2.5. Um, I know you were trying to hit 200 with that puppy and it came pretty close, but what was, uh, what was that like just taking that thing around our banking and about our, around our 2.5 mile track is, uh, you seemed pretty elated when you got into victory lane and talk about it after you were done. Yeah. I was just elated. I didn't fly out over the fence. You know, that thing was, it was pretty wicked. Uh, the other goes, she's, it's, it's a road race car. And we said, ah, we can break 200 with it, you know? But what we didn't realize, you know, it's got a lot of drag open wheels and we have big tires on it and, and uh, tires were kind of hard. Um, and uh, we kept trimming it out, trimming it out, taking wing out of it, taking down force away from it, blocking it off. You know, we were doing all kind of crazy things, but it's still hard to make a 1936 Chevy <laughs> go 200 in a short period of time. Man, I went down into three one time, and that thing jumped out from under me, got loose, almost wrecked it. So, and then going down into, uh, you know, when we made that run, we were like 196 point something, and I was, you know, my, I had a digital display up on the, on the dash there, and I could see the mile per hour, you know, and I, you know, I'm like, ooh, and I kept driving in deeper, 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 and then finally, you know, I had to get out of it, and it was kind of funny, because you could see on the GoPro video, you know, the, I'm getting into one, but, you know, you, you see the thing go like 196.7, 196, and then, you know, you hear me rolling out of it, and as I'm rolling out of it, I'm turning right, so all the way through turn one, I was like this with that thing, and I came in and told the guys, I said, look, and I'm 62 years old. I can't do that again. <laughs> I only had one of those left in me. So that was it. We didn't make it, but it was, it was a fun deal. It was fun watching you out there. Zach, go ahead. Uh, it was really fun to watch that. Um, so obviously you guys had massive success on that 24 team through the 90s. And then you kind of took that same success and found that as an owner at Everham Motorsports, um, getting a win here in 2002 with Bill Elliott, won that race from the pole. That was a wild day and it's a race that's kind of close to my heart because that was the first race that I had attended as a fan and so uh that was a long day what are your memories of that race um a race that was cut short by 25 laps uh because of darkness 
That was typical Bill Elliott. I know, I guess we were fighting rain and stuff that day, but you know, Bill was just always, Bill would never show exactly what he had. And if you remember, we were okay, we were good, you know, and then Sterling Marlin was really good. Sterling passed us and whatever, and Bill's just riding there, you know. And then when they said they were going to shorten the race and about five to go, Bill just hits another gear and goes on by Sterling, you know, that he had, he, he just never would tell us how, how good he was. I, I didn't think we were going to win. I thought we were going to be, you know, second, third, something like that. And, you know, that, that was just Bill, you know, saving his stuff and going, but it, it was really, um, a, as I said, a thrill for me to win there as an owner, I always had a very, very good relationship with the Mattiolis. And, you know, I still do to today, but, you know, Doc and Rose, especially, you know, grew up around that place, you know, really just think about it, you know, started, as I said, started running modifieds around there in my early twenties. And then uh, when Jeff and I would win races and do things up there, the Matty Elliott's were always really good to us. So it was, it was a, it was a really nice and special feeling to go there and win as an owner. We also, we, we actually won an ARCA race there with, uh, with Casey Atwood. Uh, and we, we ran second or third in ARCA race with, uh, with Aaron, um, my wife up there as well. So, you know, Pocono, if, if you look at the, the finishes and the poles and the wins up there, Pocono's been, been pretty good to me throughout the years. You talked about that family atmosphere, obviously. We all have the pleasure of working for the Mattioli still to this day. Um, and we're celebrating 50 years since that first race in 1971 in the 2.5 with the USAC IndyCar race. So, um, you know, what, do you, what, can that say, what does that say about Pocono's roots and their history in motorsports and what they've given to the, the world of motorsports, especially in the Northeast. I think, it, you know, in, in the, in the days of what, you know, the commercialization and the things that we have to do, the sports gotten really big, you know, whether that's for, for TV or for sponsors or it's just gotten big, you know, the sports gotten really big. Uh, but there, there's still very much a um, East coast, whether you want to call it Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you know, Delaware connection to grassroots racing, you know, still a lot of, uh, you know, you, you go there with, with, I get the same feeling that I used to have going to a lot of the local places around there. And unfortunately, a lot of those places are gone, right? I mean, you know, when, when Pocono was first built, there was a ton of local tracks in, in that area. I mean, tons of tracks and a lot of those places are gone. But the you know, when you go there with Pocono, you feel still that same DNA, that same spirit of, of what racing was like. And, and I think that that's, I really give the Mattioli family a, a lot of credit for that because even though it's gotten big, Pocono's gotten big and the sport's gotten big and they, they always have kept that grassroots feel from the era that they built the racetrack in. Well, as promised, that was a pretty incredible interview with Ray. Um, really get a lot of insight into uh, what's going on in his head, you know, what this sport means to him and where he wants to go in the future. Um, just a really, really brief but really good interview. And it kind of brought all of this 50th and what we've done from a motorsports perspective to the track. You know, he's literally been here for modified races on the front stretch, He's raced in NASCAR here. He's been a person who's come and enjoyed the racetrack working on um, not only pit crews, but enjoyed the area itself. He has a, you know, a great wealth of things that he's done to apply to becoming an owner in the NASCAR Cup Series and his journey there at Pocono Raceway. 
talks about the Mattiolis, and then, oh, by the way, comes back for an IndyCar weekend in a modified car to bring that all together. Um, he just literally took all of our history and jam-packed it into one interview. So he was a great get, and I know there's more, right, Kev? Oh, there's a lot more. So we're not, we're, like I keep saying uh, in the beginning of this podcast, we're not done uh, just because our race is over for the season. We have so much more planned uh, to celebrate 50 years of the Tricky Triangle. Um, do I tell them who's up next? I mean, might as well, right? I don't know if you want to – I don't know if they're ready for that, Kev. All right. Well, next up we got Mark Martin. Uh, oh, I guess they're podcast. ready for that, Kev. Oh, yeah, they're ready. <laughs> they're ready. And then uh, going from there, you know, we're going to start highlighting uh, the individual years. We're going to look back over the decades of uh, big events that have happened throughout those decades. So we'll highlight those on social media. Um, fans can actually still submit their stories um, to our timeline, which we're going to highlight those stories on by visiting coconutraceway.com slash 50. Uh, so that's going to be still your hub to find out everything that we have going on and kind of see what we've highlighted before and just follow along. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to uh, make sure you don't miss anything that we have going on. I know I just, I, I kind of just stole JJ's thunder there, but you can finish it off then. Uh, what do you, I'm going to finish with like, share, subscribe. That's all I got. You, you, you literally stole my thunder. I have one role in this whole thing and you took it from me. Your, your role is to also sell things jj you continue to sell things just like fans make sure you make it to the air show this year because there's a lot of cool stuff happening you could have went that direction you make a great point that is my job it's what i get paid for so if anybody wants to be a part of the air show on a corporate <laughs> level let me know we have great seating options available we have some really impactful signage still available um hospitality options a whole bunch of stuff um air shows right around the corner though so get in touch with me asap and you'll get to see the United States Air Force Thunderbirds. Uh, visit our website and, of course, visit the 50th website to tell us your stories. We want to hear all about your fan stories and your journey. And we'll maybe start highlighting those towards the end of the year because the fans have literally helped us with our timeline at PoconoRaceway.com slash 50. We thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week uh, with another edition of the Pokemon Raceway Podcast. Robert!